Hi, this is Tony at Cover Magazine. I'm speaking to Craig and Andre, the famous duo from Genesis Technologies. Andre, Craig, co-CEOs at Genesis. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Thanks for having us again, Tony. Um, we, we're talking leadership today, not strictly technology. So um, I, um, I hope you guys have got your leadership hats on and not just your technology hats so that we can explore a little bit um, the, you know, you guys have um, done amazing things with Genesis over the past, um, I would say probably two or three years in terms of your expansion into other countries, et cetera. So maybe just to start off with, if you can tell us um, a little bit, what was the motivation um, for expanding outside South Africa? One of the things that, we set out to do many years ago, Craig, the, and I, and particularly Craig, always had the vision of wanting to change the world of insurance and, and change people's lives through better technology globally. That's the long-term vision, but you have to kind of eat this elephant one piece at a time. And a couple of years ago, we had reached quite a big size within South Africa, um, where the, the law of diminishing returns kind of showed that, you know, we would need to look at additional territories if we were going to start jumping into this big global picture of taking our technology around the world. Um, and it just made sense at the time that the first place we would go to would be the United Kingdom for the similarities in insurance, the similarities in language, time zones, etc. Um, so that became quite an easy option for us to go there. But this is all part of Craig's bigger plan to change the world one country at a time and i i think i think tony on that we we secured one of our first customers in in the uk back in 2005 um and, and that was really more of a kind of a, a test you know can the software mm. can our software do what it what it needs to do in the uk so kind of dipped our toes in the water there and kind of understood what the landscape looked like what you know the insurance requirements looked like the integration requirements so it gave us a proof point that you know the, the Genesis platform can can provide the the software capabilities that the the UK needs, um, but I think at that point I don't think we were quite ready to to jump across and you know start really actively marketing in the UK. Um, so we still concentrated on the South African um, customers and and opportunities, which we still do today. Um, you know, and then it was a case of having you know as andre said there's there, there is a lot of similarities and opportunities in the uk um and around about two and a half years ago we actively started um driving growth in the uk mm -hmm. now i mean we've got many south african countries uh, uh companies that over the last couple of maybe the last decade have expanded into um other countries um many of them unsuccessful um even large companies like Woolworths burning their fingers in australia sort of thing um and um but also many that are very successful and so my question then is is uh, what sort of risk measurement or management did you guys do to um, assist you in sort of almost cautiously entering without risking you know the farm as Craig mentioned, we had this customer for quite some time and, and we built a very strong relationship with the managing director. 
um, at this organization. And he gave us quite a bit of steer as to what was needed and what wasn't needed. So we had a pretty good idea that the, that, that, that the agility of our product would be able to be molded into something that the UK customers required. The, the risk mitigation question is actually more the opposite, is that when you commit, get it done, um, yes. and actually commit to it properly, you know, we we often say, you know, that you shouldn't half ask something. And if you try and do an expansion into a different country without full commitment from the, the, the executive committee, as well as the shareholders supporting you on that. And this moment that you see one or two small failures in the new territory, it's very easy to pull back to your core functionality and just to be risk averse and go, look, let's just fall back onto the SA. Let's carry on selling into the broker markets and the insurer market here and forget that we'll try again in a couple of years time. The reason why we succeed is because we went, no, it's tough as hell. Craig and I spent two and a half years knocking on doors nonstop, cold calling customers, building up networks. Um, and it was, it was, I think this is African tenacity that ended up coming through and making a success of it. We, we, we didn't have the luxury of coming back. We had to make it work. So we simply did. Mm. And your product, your, um, obviously the product is highly successful in South Africa before you even started thinking of um, the UK. How did the product stack up there? Now, you, ha you said you had a, a customer and it was working for him, but in general with um, the competition there. Yeah, so, so I, think, I think, Tony, that's probably decisions we made pretty much, you know, when, when Genesis started is, you know, looking at how do we create a framework or a tool set that understands insurance in a very dynamic uh, fashion. So, you know, one of what we believe one of the key capabilities of the platform is, you know, configurability and being able to configure different product offerings uh, that customers would need. So, you know, there were obviously some localization bits we needed to do is, but but majority of the kind of agility of the platform itself allowed us to configure the insurance product requirements, the integration requirements that our, our customers needed. And obviously first customer was that kind of proof point. Um, but look, any new customer we've gone into, there's always been additional requirements. But you know, from my perspective, the product is really shown to be agile and and extendable, you know, without having to go back and rewrite the core capability. So I think it was some really good architecture decisions made in the beginning, um, which has allowed the product to scale um, into new territories. And we, we also have to be honest about it is that at the time of entry into the markets, the incumbent technology providers in, in, in the territory were lacking, you know, quite honestly, you know, they, they were very expensive to change. They were hard coders. So there was a lot of customer frustration and the customers were shouting out for something that was quick to deploy, easy to change as they saw the market start changing and new risks or new risks emerging. And we could come in and do a rating change in a couple of minutes where we take another vendor three or four weeks to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the customers really adopted this ability to change quick. It's, it's like we say, we say in Africa, you know, you, you, you don't have to outrun the lion, you just have to outrun your friend. Um, you know, so you just have to be a little bit better than the next best and and, and customers would really uh, want to partner with you. Mm -hmm. I, I think on that point, they, you know, a lot of a lot of insurance companies in the UK are, you know, not startups. They, they've been running for some time. So they're running on kind of stable legacy platforms and a lot of them are 
are, you know, from a leadership perspective, looking to innovate and offer different products. And that's also created an opportunity for us to kind of come in and be able to provide this more innovative product offering capability from a platform perspective. Mm -hmm. How did that um, compare onboarding new clients there versus onboarding new clients here who have legacy systems? Do you find it more challenging here or there? Probably a bit more challenging in South Africa at the moment than in the UK. And the reason why I say that is that we actually target different size customers in the two territories. So, I mean, if you look at it from, from a GWP point of view, you know, someone like Royal Sun Alliance on their own in their general insurance space, write more business than the entire short term market in South Africa. Mm. So, you know, if you look at the top five or six uh, insurers in, in, in South Africa, they they are all what you would call a tier one year and they would shop for offshore platforms for you know uh, like the big the big listed entities in our space whereas if you if you convert that from a gwp point of view those are tier three tier four insurers in the uk and they are more receptive to a trailblazer new entrant uh something that isn't the 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 the, the, the gardener quadrant go to you know suppliers mm. Mm. so they are more open to trying something new in the uk at the moment than what's called the higher end customers in South Africa. But again, you know, in SA, we we don't have the luxury, and I'll say we as policyholders and the entire insurance industry don't have the luxury of a mandated or, you know, a, 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 um, compulsory. Compu compulsory insurance. Mm. Um, so we actually have to be clever and we have to, you know, work on boot or, you know, uh, kind of shoestring budgets in South Africa. So there's a, people in SA are slightly more price sensitive. You know the, the the cost of living, uh, you know, issues here are, are quite quite a problem. Um, there seems to be a little bit more budget available in the UK for innovation. I, mm. I think one mm. thing that we we did need need to kind of navigate in in the UK specifically is larger customers coming on board and kind of the pure governance that goes around the procurement process and the selection process. So, you know, I think we've we've needed to mature a bit of our project methodologies and engagement pieces, you know, to work with a lot of these companies are mutuals as an example, and, you know, they run by their existing shareholders. So getting consulting firms in to um, run that procurement process and a lot of governance, which has been a great, a great learning for, for Genesis to kind of, you know, scale up those capabilities. Um, but but there's a lot of benefit in that because uh, it, it 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 helps drive success of the the project execution. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you guys about lessons that you could share with um, the you know local businesses looking at expanding. And Craig, I liked what you said about committing and um, deciding what you're going to do and then fully fully commit. And then you also mentioned um, just now about um, the fact that we should probably be, our, the local businesses should probably also be more open to local innovation than thinking uh, they they have to go overseas to to go and fetch yeah. that stuff. What what other sort of lessons do you think you would like to to give the first of all the insurance companies here that you learned there from other insurers, but also to local businesses, even tech companies who are looking at expanding? There's, there's, there's two, two bits of, of lessons learned slash advice that I think that we could probably agree on. 
The first one is that don't underestimate the ability for South Africans to innovate good technology. Um, the more time we spend in the in the in the UK and in the US and in LATAM and in, in Asia Pacific, with our customers out in New Zealand and Australia too, the more we realize just how damn good South Africans are at creating good technology. Mm. Um, it's actually, I think Clayton Christensen wrote about it in the Innovators Dilemma about utilizing emerging markets to test new technology or disruptive technology before you take it to to established markets. And it's it's true. It was true 30 years ago when you wrote the book, and it's it's very much true now. <clears throat> so don't underestimate the ability of our technology in South Africa, but there are people who are looking at us going, the next big thing is coming from there. From an advice point of view, expanding into a new market, I think one of the biggest lessons learned is don't underestimate the differences in culture of the people who are buying your product. You know, even though we think that the that the UK and South Africa share languages, time zones, the culture and the way of doing business is very, very different. So I would certainly advise people to just do a bit of research, go spend time in the country that you want to expand into before you pull the trigger. Um, mm. It's it's a it's it's a lot more challenging dealing with <clears throat> people of a different culture than what than what you think it is. Mm. I, I think Tony, to, to to add to that, one of the I think the the drivers of success for Genesis was we were there. You know, I don't think you can do it just thinking you're going to fly in and out. You actually need to dedicate the time and spend time mm. in the territory. You know, Andrea and I still joked initially, or I guess challenged ourselves and said, you know, in South Africa, if we end up at an insurance event, we, we know quite a few people and we can have conversations and, you know, that that kind of, we, we, we kind of got mm. to know the, the key leaders in the market. And when we got to the UK, we knew no one, right? We would go to a function and we would walk around introducing ourselves. And, and we still joked with ourselves and said, we probably made the first bit of success when someone phones us and says, what software do you have? Can you can you come and help us? And, you know, it, mm. it took a fair amount of time talking thought leadership, getting involved in the different organizations and and marketing spaces in, in the UK, um, you know, talking about what we do, talking to everybody we can. But mm. being there, um, understanding the, the landscape, I think, was one of the key successes or mm. help with the success. Yeah, networking. Yeah, that's what it's what it's all about. Now, coming back again, I mean, I think probably one of the, in my opinion, reasons for your success is because both of you went, and you take with you different strengths and etc. Um, but I know from experience that you guys are very good at networking, and um, especially at conferences and events. Um, when we when we look at you guys deciding to take on the CEO position, um, both of you together, what were the the reasons for that, and what benefits come out of do, doing that? Is that because the company is so widespread geographically, or is there, are there other reasons? No, Tony, it's got nothing to do with the geographical split, it's got, and it's got a, mostly to do with the flattening of a structure. Um, you know. We, we we don't believe in natural hierarchies. There is no king of the castle. You, know, you always see people talking about the success of the business is the team, and we genuinely believe that. And the more and the more we can flatten the structure of the business, the more we can give team members access to key decision makers. And a great example is, you know, I was just having a chat with a, with a developer a couple of days ago, and they mentioned an idea about how to change a process. Well, guess what? The next day we implemented that change. You know, so that's how quickly we can adopt it when people have access to to the executive level. 
we also don't we should also shouldn't be blind to the fact that we there's just a natural alignment between craig and i we very much have a natural yin yang and whilst we want to take credit for it and say it was by design it was by consequence you know, we just happen to believe in the same thing. We just happen to be friends outside of work. We just happen to want the same things from Genesis. So that really just makes a natural alignment. Um, we've yet to have an argument in 15 years. <laughs> so, mm. um, yeah. yeah. We, we, we challenge each other, but absolutely. Absolutely. You mm. know, I, think, I think for me, it's, we make a great team because I think our different skill sets complement mm. each other as, as a team. Mm. And it absolutely helps to make more decisions, um, be wider spread across the business. Yeah. yeah, and can you still make autonomous decisions, each one of you? Absolutely. Yeah. We've got clearly defined reporting lines in the sense that will departmental responsibilities. And because we've got this natural alignment, you, you, you have a natural level of trust. So Craig can make a decision or whatever he wants to in his area and vice versa. And we even make decisions for each other when the other person is away or on leave or traveling for business. Mm. And mm. there's very little retrospect of, oh, we shouldn't have done that. So absolutely, mm. we can make decisions. But Craig and I also talk every day. Yeah. You know, so mm. um, it's, it's, it's super important to bounce ideas. Craig will often go, oh, customer X, Y, and Z is wanting so-and-so. What do you think of that? And then we'll, 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 we'll spitball the idea and, you know, mm. challenge it and unpack it and then go, well, let's settle on this. So whilst we have the ability and the trust to make autonomous decisions, make no mistake about it, we do we do iterate through the solutions before we, we, we talk to the customers or the teams about it. Mm, mm, brilliant idea. And then I think sort of in in um, last question on this interview, um, Genesis going forward, where to from here? Are you just going to continue on this track and uh, build in the different countries that you are? Yeah, so so I, I think, Tony, what we said right in the beginning was we want to continue to do more of what we do. I think we found, we believe, a winning recipe on, you know, building product and implementing customers and continue to improve that. So very much focused still on South Africa and expanding in South Africa, um, as well as the UK. Um, and then Andrea and I are looking at, you know, how do we expand wider than that? But again, taking a cautious approach to not just, you know, kind of hockey sticking the business, but creating this kind of stable growth and taking mm. the team on uh, on that journey with us. Yeah, that, that actually played well for us, too, because during the last couple of years, when the when the the, the markets were a little bit more aggressive with the investing and VCs were giving uh, software as a service solutions like ourselves, crazy valuations to go and expand at anything necessary. And now that the capital to supply them with 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 operational runways starting to dry up, you know the 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 more controlled mm. profitable growth of Genesis is becoming more attractive again. Mm. So a lot of venture capitalist companies are going, well, we need to start getting behind businesses and not just ventures. And the one thing that we've proven mm. is being profitable for twenty four years now, um, we have business, a sustainable, safe, good business that is growing at a good rate, um, but we want to make sure that it's controlled growth, as Craig said. Mm. Makes absolute sense, and um, you've been successful with that approach so far, so good luck for um, the future and growing um, in the different countries. Craig, Andre, thank you very much. It was uh, like chatting to you again. And I look forward to seeing you at the InsurTech Fest. Can't wait for it. Thanks, Tony.
Thank you, Tony. Always good chatting.